coming up. What an excellent day for a heart-to-heart. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 25 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist Minute by Terrifying Minute. My name is Lester Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. So, our minute begins with Reagan saying, I don't know. And it ends with Chris saying, me? Mary Burke Dennings? Of course not. And that's a big reveal right there. But for now, let's get back to the top of this minute. Reagan is saying, I don't know, because Chris asked her in the previous minute what she wants to do for her birthday. And remember, she said, isn't it great that it's on a Sunday? I like mm-hmm. that they put that little thing there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's not a whole lot in this minute in terms of uh, set pieces or spectacle. In fact, it's almost entirely on Linda Blair's face with a tiny bit of Ellen Burstyn as she leans in to kiss her daughter. So... I was focusing on Reagan's face as she reacts to what mom is saying. Uh, We talked about in previous minutes how you can spot a good actor, not necessarily by how they act, but by how they react to what other characters are saying. Trying to see how she reacts, whether it looks like this is maybe the first time that she hears the word movie, for example, because you'd imagine that like that's the thing that gets her like, oh, a movie. Oh, I love you. (laughs) And that's how I remembered this scene. But now that I'm looking at it, it plays a little different. Reagan is looking at her mother in this like wistful, adoring way. It's very like content, very relaxed. She feels safe and content. And it's like, oh, isn't my mom so great? Her face doesn't light up. She doesn't get excited when mom suggests a movie, which you would think it would be like, like, oh, a movie. Wow. Thanks, mom. You're the best. Oh, I love you. Her I love you seems to come from a place of like, oh, I love you for planning this all out. Thanks, mom, for thinking of me. Right. I see what you mean when, when, you, when you say that. It, it's not that she is, um, as an actor, responding to any particular line, any trigger necessarily. It's just like, oh, I'm so happy to be having this conversation at all. Right, right. Um, and it's this, it's this rare moment in the movie, I think, where like mom and daughter are in a safe place. They're in a good place. They're, they're kind of basking in each other's love. And it's really nice. And it's really nice to have that um, in this movie, especially since, you know, especially with what we know is going to happen later, right? So mm-hmm. this is something to hold on to, right? And I think it's something for our audience to hold on to as well. Um, it also struck me as odd that she didn't have anything that she wanted to do. That was a little like when you're a kid, you don't have a lot of freedoms. And I remember asking for stuff and being told like maybe on your birthday or maybe for Christmas or or something like that. So I imagine I had some stuff that was like always in the chamber for my birthday. Like, oh, now I can finally, uh, you know, get that toy or, or, or do that thing. And this is an oddly mature, like, yeah, whatever you want to do, mom. And that made me... (laughs) Right. Like, and that made me think uh, about what we were talking about last time about how this is about a little girl who is growing up, or this can be like one of the, uh, one of the themes of the, of the movie, right? This, this girl is switching from a child to a young woman. And I thought, oh, if this were me, I would like linger on this. I would cut back to like Chris's face and I'd be like, oh, but honey, you always have something you want to do on your birthday. Like what's going on? What's different this year? Nothing, mom. I don't want to talk about it. Right. Exactly. And if that's the thing, right? Like if that's the hint that things are changing or, or, okay, you, we could play it two ways, right? Like she could be like you, like you hinted at, like she's glum, she's listless, she's uh, despondent in this way that is also like very uncharacteristic, you know, like, oh, I don't care, whatever you want to do, mom. Like, like 
this little girl is becoming a teenager. And we could play it like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about this time. But it, it is strange. You know, you go back and look at it, and I th- I think I'm fairly right in that the in the basement scene, she seems a little bit older than in scenes like this where she's, she's in bed. You know, something about the staging of it, uh, where it is, whether we can see her whole body or not. You know, um, the way that she stands and comports herself. Um, in in the pre in the first scene, we see her talking about the horse. She does look older and and stand with more confidence, even as she's talking about girlish things. I think we happen to be catching her in this moment in one where she is particularly childlike. Yeah, which, and again, like to speak to the, like the order of uh, these scenes and how they play out in the movie. Um, so Chris is talking about uh, going sightseeing. She's talking about going to see like the Lee Mansion and all of these other um, uh, Washington specific uh, sites and uh, um, attractions. And it, this is actually something that I'm finding out now. They did film this scene. Um, it's it's in the screenplay and it's in the book. Uh, although, like, they're like the screenplay at this point is like all over the place. We have like the Captain Howdy thing happening at a different time, and we have mm-hmm. um, the next minute happening before this, and and all of this. So, uh, I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about the cut scene of them going and, uh, you know, doing the sightseeing and, you know, uh, being at the, the grave of the unknown soldier and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think realize it, they shot that. It's an interesting scene in the script. I, I yeah. didn't know that they'd actually shot it. I figured they just cut it before they did that. Yeah. And it is very, very important. But I think uh, for the sake of this show, I think I want to place it at the beginning of, I believe, minute 28. Eight. So oh. it'd be right after it'd be right after uh, the minute where Karis ends by saying, like, I think I've lost my faith. And we cut to uh, Chris on the phone trying to reach uh, Reagan's dad for her birthday. Well, you know, our friend Ian, who was our first guest on this podcast, has suggested at one point that we do a, a, a full podcast, but it's choose your own adventure. And you say, so if you'd <laughs> like to know more about that, go to minute 28. And we haven't recorded minute 28 yet, you know, but by the end of it, if we played our cards right, you'd be able to jump anywhere that you want. <laughs> minute 132 you, you read those choose your own adventure books right i did yes oh my god i love those um keenan did you do this did you try to read it like a normal book and just get all confused <laughs> i tried that once or twice i tried just to see how it would I, just feel to see like, what would happen right yeah um i do remember i do remember at least one book that i i had you know you feel like you're the person because you're choosing the adventure where i i died really early on and i was like fuck this you know it's like a 12 year old kid <laughs> so i actually didn't i just stopped reading it i was, I was so pissed that because um as the series went on right um they, as the series went on they they'd know how kids would read them and they get you know they'd figure out the conventions so at some point i was reading some late entry at least late for me in the choose your own adventures and um and it was like the first choice or something like that. And I made I made an innocuous so like, do you want to go down the hall and see your aunt for some ice cream or something? I was like, yeah, okay. And I did that. It was like, you have died. <laughs> your aunt was your aunt was an alien. I was like, well, how was I supposed to? And is never I never went back to that book. Wow, wow, just like real life. <laughs> If you die in real life, you die in real life. So be careful. <laughs> but no, yeah, I remember those. I think I have some old goosebumps, uh, choose your mm-hmm. own adventures kicking around. Um, that reminds me of those, like, I guess, I guess Dungeons and Dragons would be the first example of that where, you know, you're talking to the, the DM and mm-hmm. it's like, do you go down this hallway? Do you, you know, do you hit this troll on the head with your, with your staff or whatever? And if you have a DM like I have every single time I try to get into Dungeons and Dragons, um, you die. <laughs> this is why, like, I, like at my age now, I should be, I should be the perfect candidate 
for Dungeons and Dragons. Like, yeah, that I, is, I guess so. Right. Mm-hmm. You would think. You would think. Looking at me and knowing who I am, like I, like I, I've, I've DM'd. I've done. No, no, that is not the truth. Because every t- single time I sit down for one of these games, I get a bogus DM who is like, "Oh, you, you, you tripped on a paperclip and you died." <laughs> they just don't like you. Like, what is it? I don't know. But he, like, they would, they would do it to everybody. Like, they would have, <laughs> they would have their own. I, I did it recently because I'm still – you know what? I still have faith, Keenan, and I'm still <laughs> trying to get into this thing uh, You know, with the uh, you know, uh, resurgence of like Stranger Things and everybody's you know, uh, playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons again. So I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to get into this. Every single time I sit down. The last time uh, this DM, he had his own characters kind of like already developed and picked out and they mm-hmm. were they, you know, basically NPCs and they got so much more screen time than any of us who were playing. <laughs> It's like I was a wizard and there was an elf and there was a knight and we were trying to like fight this this monster that he created and then his like weird like cat humanoid creature puss in boots looking thing with a French accent comes in and saves us again and I'm like fuck this you know if you have a if you have a DM who's just killing everybody if that's like their kink I mean at what point do you report them to the Dungeons and Dragons HR department but like I'm really There's worried kind of, about this guy yeah as we as we learn in this movie you know uh, about the hierarchy of priests and you know the the organization behind the cloth uh, I think I think there needs to be like a DM um, HR <laughs> mm. well anyways I don't know where we are anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've lost our way hey much like an adventurer in a maze oh my goodness yeah but yeah, I had assumed that you would do, I mean, uh, Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of thing. I mean, anyone mm-hmm. who's worn a cape to work on a non-Halloween day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What specific instance are you talking about me wearing a cape to work? I, I just, there I are just many, know but... that you have. I just don't, I can't okay. even, I don't even have any evidence of that. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> intuiting that you have worn a cape to work. I'll have you know, Keenan, it was a cloak. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about that scene. We're going to talk about the sightseeing scene. We're going to talk about Lee Mansion. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Um, but that's going to be at the top of minute 28 because I think it it fits well with uh, Reagan's uh, um, troubles and it goes right. Uh, it, it, it also fits with uh, what Karis uh, is experiencing. Mm-hmm. So we'll put it right there. But let's get back to this minute. So uh, we were talking about Reagan possibly uh, becoming more mature, becoming a teenager, right? And to speak to this, like these scenes early on in the movie with Chris and Reagan being so uh, lovey-dovey, and we have even more in the book, they sometimes strike me as a little too sweet, like almost unrealistic. Like I, I know in previous minutes, I talked about how much I love the mother and daughter relationship and how Blatty and Fried can do a really good job showing that their relationship is unaffected by Chris's being a movie star. But there are also some moments where like, ironically, the interactions seem a little Hollywood mm-hmm. like this. Oh, I love you from Reagan. Like, I feel like she's reaching that age when saying, I love you so freely. Like y- you say it, and it, and it's not attached to anything. You know what I mean? Like you say it when you wish each other good night or when you're dropped off uh, at school. And even then you do it like when nobody else is listening because, you know, your classmates are going to be like, huh, you love your mom. <laughs> right. Right. And the way you're she vulnerable. says, you're vulnerable, you have feelings, you're a human being. <laughs> um, but like to say it like and mean it with such like fervor in, in this, um, in this scene and also when nobody else is around. So it's, it's, again, we know that it's, it's the truth, right? Cause we, you know, Mr. Shakespeare, he told us, <laughs> um, the, yeah, the way that she says it, uh, you know, is almost 
the way that I think a parent would say it to her child, not vice versa. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I love you, right? Like, like I'm affirming this. I'm, you know, I'm reassuring you that I love you. Oh, I love you, right? right. There's something about about that about parents being constantly surprised by how I, I've heard this from parents that mm. they're surprised how much they could love somebody. They they think that they you know they love their spouses or they love their own parents and and then they have their own children. They're like I did not understand how much you could love somebody. Um, and that, I think kids take that for granted. It's sort of the opposite, right? They all they they're born into the world and they love their parents and they know that they love their parents and um, that can only diminish. It doesn't get stronger for them, right? So they're right, like, right. I'm just so surprised by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple fact for them. It's a simple truth. Right. Up is up and, you know, and my love for my mom or my love for my dad is, is, um, infinite, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is, uh, depthless, right? Um, and I checked, I was like, well, I wonder if, you know, Blatty has kids, right? Cause he's writing this, this, uh, scene between mother and daughter. And I, and yeah, he has second, uh, seven kids. Uh-huh. So, well, I, I, I assume that Blatty was a priest because he, because he writes this book and he's famous for that. So I always, I always picture him in my head as, as having the priest collar on and all of that. Oh, interesting. If I like think, what does William Peter Blatty look like? What does he do? Right. He is Father Karras is who I always think of him as. There's something about the you know these authors, especially who are, are very famous for one piece, or a director who's very famous only for one movie. You assume that they're the main character, and uh, there is there's this thought like my my uh, teachers in uh, in pitching movie pitching at UCLA when I where I went to grad school. They, uh, but I had two teachers independently say this, that when you're pitching a movie to someone, say you're pitching a screenplay that you want to write for a studio or a, a production uh, company, they're going to assume that the movie's about you unless you give them a reason why not to. So, so they're just, so lean into that if that's possible <laughs> and just be like, oh yes, this is what I would do. And this is my background. And, and they're just going to assume that you're that person. Interesting. Okay. So this is also the first mention of rags. Did you catch that Keenan? Mm-hmm. She's like, I love you rags. Yeah. And people have commented on on this. This is Chris's pet name for her daughter. It's short for Reagan. It means Reagan. Um, but it's been noticed by people, especially those who've read the book, because in there, rags comes up even more. It's like, oh, rags. Now, we've already established that Chris is a good mom. She's a loving mom. But yeah, she has this thing. And I'm noticing it now, especially with names, that if you haven't already seen all this other evidence uh, of them being so loving, it might come off as different. Take, for example, uh, the first time that Reagan appears in the book. This is uh, right after Chris gets the uh, the presidential dinner invite, and they're talking about new math. Uh, and then we hear Reagan call out, "Hi, mom!" To which Chris replies, "Hiya, stinkpot." <laughs> and people commented on that too, stinkpot. Sure, I think that that's worthy of a conversation, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> stinkpot and rags, but like in that same paragraph, you have Chris sweeping her daughter up in her arms and covering her with kisses as if they've been separated for like months. Mm -hmm. And Blatty even says this, like in the book, in that same paragraph, he says that Chris, quote, could not repress the full flood of her love. Just like what you were talking about before, Keenan, about, you know, parents and children, like being surprised by like the, the, the force and the strength of, of uh, their love for each other. So I don't think this is anything more than like, oh, you stinker, right? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I would still, you know, I don't want to give anyone parenting advice, but I would still avoid, avoid that. (laughs) I would, I would avoid names like Stinkpot, I think. Yeah. One in the script that she calls her is Bareface. What? Yeah, in, in that scene that you're talking about, Chris calls her calls her bareface. Okay, okay, <laughs> Mrs. McNeil. Um, <laughs> this is an intervention. I, so. I I was on your team. I was I was 
I was in your. What do they say in baseball? I was uh, um, rooting for you. I was rooting for you. I was in your. I was in your corner. There we oh, go. Yeah, it's yeah, boxing. Yeah, it's boxing. Yeah. <laughs> um, baseball. Sports. I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, I have. I have a friend. I hope they don't listen. Okay. Um, he would call his girlfriend stupid. That was his nickname for her. Interesting. And um, and when I first heard it, I was like, "Why? Why are you calling her that?" And then, uh-huh. and then when it was just her alone with me, I said, why do you let him call you that? And, and he, she's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And, he, and he's like, oh, she knows I don't mean it. But, but every day coming home, I'm like, hey, stupid. <laughs> was, uh, where's dinner, stupid? Like, I don't know. Interesting. Um, that relationship has not lasted. I don't know why. Oh. I mean, like, I, I, like, I can't say that that's the reason I, why. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I thought you were like, being facetious. Like, no, I can't imagine. No, I, I don't want to presume, but okay, I, I was okay. worried about that very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seeing that. language is so weird in that like it it belongs to everybody but then it's also like it can be used like in this very personal way Mm -hmm. like you can you can say things that mean something very very specific to uh you know the two of you or the three of you or whatever and like anybody like on the outside looking in they're like hey why why (laughs) bareface why stink pot why stupid like well i'm trying to think about my nicknames for my boyfriend if i accidentally have something like that I don't know. I ca- we call you the boobola a lot, and and uh, which means sweetheart, and yeah, and boo, you know, and sometimes we say booby, which is you know some sort of combination between boo and boobola. So maybe someone on the outside be like, "Why are you calling each other booby?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's not it's it's not a, a, a like too much of a jump from like you know boo and boobola. It's like that's, you know, that's it, where it came from, I think originally. Yeah, yeah but I yeah. guess if you're just I don't know, maybe stupid came from. Um, stupendous and <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, yeah, and intrepid. We'll we'll just we'll just we'll just yeah, we'll just go with that. Sure. You know what I do have a problem with though, mm-hmm. um, and and this already happened in the story, so we're kind of like going back to a previous minute for just a second here. But we we brought this up, um, Keenan. You remember that bird, the the Pazuzu bird that Reagan makes for oh, yes. Chris? Oh, uh-huh, the big right. orange one, orange and <clears throat> yeah, green. Yeah, the big right? yeah with the with the weird striped beak. Um, right. So in the book, Chris asks Reagan, it's like, hey, what should we call it? And Reagan can't think of anything. So Chris thinks about it. And then she says, I know. How about dumb bird? <laughs> how about bad art? Yeah. How about <laughs> shitty piece of art? Wow. Wow. Okay. But like in in the book, that actually gets Reagan laughing. Sure. And so now I think about it. It's like it could be more like Chris knows the type of – humor that reagan likes and her <laughs> whole objective is to like make her daughter laugh so dumb bird and stink pot and rags sure you know oh, that's for that's for reagan's benefit right it's for her right but at again, least at like, first at least at first <laughs> right but now i'm thinking you know it's like then you got you got a new friend you got a new friend who's like hey your mom calls you rags <laughs> your mom calls you stink pot and she named your bird dumb bird like what's that all about reagan huh uh-huh. i'm your real friend i don't call you any of those things right <laughs> mm. But we're going to get to him. On board, yeah. I'm your captain. I'm your captain, <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Uh, but, okay, so back to this minute again. Um, it's so, this Doing this podcast is so weird. Like like I said, like there's no spectacle. There's no like craziness going on in this scene. It's just a close-up of, of a face. But we're talking about so much. I, like, I, I love this. Um, so they don't have plans yet for her birthday, do we know how soon it is? We know it's on a Sunday, but is that like a week from now? Is that 
this Sunday, this Sunday, <laughs> Reagan's birthday. <laughs> Be there. Dumber, dumber, dumber. If you don't show up, you are a stink pot. <laughs> um, or, or like, is it tomorrow? Like, like presumably Chris gets this gig, right? She knows that she's going to be in Washington. They set up a rental home, um, travel, you know, uh, logistics and everything like that. And somewhere in that planning process, like she's got to be like, oh yeah, this is Reagan's birth month. We should do something in Washington. Mm -hmm. But that, like, then I thought like, that's a movie thing though, right? Like I've seen that before where like they decide on the spot, something like you would normally have like planned for weeks or months, like, like, Oh, what do you want to name your new baby? And like, the parents are like, let's call him. <laughs> it's like, wait, you, you don't know. You've had like at least nine months. Let's name him after whichever character died during the movie. Yes. I'm thinking planet <laughs> of the apes. What was it? Like escape from planet of the apes. Let's call him Milo. Let's call him Milo. Yeah. And then it doesn't even stay Milo. It's Caesar in the next one. What the fuck? <laughs> That's for our, our monkey minute later on. Someone yeah. must do a Planet of the Apes minute. Oh, no, no. There. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm glad I get to mention it. Yeah, there's a Minute of the Apes. Oh, um, that's the great. That's a great title. Yes, I love it. I, I've been I've been listening to that one. Uh, <laughs> yes, folks, listen to Minute of the Apes. It's really good. But yeah, so speaking of birthdays, Keenan, do you have like any birthday memories? Hmm, I guess the, the, the weirdest one from my childhood is I was one of those kids. I don't know how my parents pulled this off, but in the 80s, I was one of those kids who got to have a McDonald's birthday. Ooh. Do you remember those? Did you ever get to go to one? I, I mean, I think I had something similar, but it was, it was not McDonald's, but <laughs> that was, so if you don't, if you weren't alive in the eighties, you might not understand this, but McDonald's, first of all, was aimed as a children's restaurant. So now they've redone all the McDonald's and it looked basically like, um, like shitty Starbucks's, you know, but back then they were bright red and yellow and there were little statues if you got a cool mcdonald's of all the little um characters ron mcdonald's friends and grimace and birdie and i got to have a mcdonald's birthday and i don't know what that cost my parents it probably was not cheap but but i i remember people being very very jelly of, of that like how did this happen do you know mary mccheese how do your parents have this 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 pull to get to to have shut down a corner of the mcdonald's <laughs> and it's just for you and your friends and each of us got a happy meal, <laughs> our own. We didn't like, um, you know, maybe that's part of the expense. I'm sure if you bought, you know, 300 McNuggets and split them amongst everybody, it'd be cheaper, right? If you buy it in bulk, but instead everyone got their own little, little happy meal. Wow. That is, that is a big to do. You were a, <laughs> you were a special little child. Special, special little child. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have, I'm imagining, I love, I love how, like when we talk about like when we were kids and I can't imagine your younger face. It's just, it's just the face that you have now, but like on a smaller body. <laughs> Well, I was kind of a pouty kid, and I think my face has has stuck that way, even though – so, yeah, you can't see me on, on a radio show, but but I tend to think of myself as having sort of a – maybe not a resting bitch face, but a resting, a resting bored face or something, and then and then uh, people meet me, and, and they see that I, I laugh very easily, and, I, and I'm very nonjudgmental, but I sort of have this, this face of this petulant child that stuck with me. <laughs> Guys, he's lying. He's very handsome. Don't listen to him. <laughs> hey, hey, I didn't say I wasn't handsome. I just said I was bored. I was like, well, okay. Yeah. Oh, you can be both. Okay. All right. I didn't <laughs> <It's like bored. laughs> I didn't know the rules. Okay. He's just this aloof Disney prince. It's just like, oh. <laughs> Another McDonald's birthday party, mother. Mm. <laughs> Another uh, invite to the White House. Mm. Dinner with Mayor McCheese, I guess. Well. <laughs> oh, okay. So just because I teach German. Um, boy, non sequitur. Um, so the word for mayor 
is Burgermeister. <laughs> Burgermeister. <laughs> so Mayor McCheese is a Burger Burgermeister. Or no, a Burgermeister Burger or Burger Burgermeister. I don't know. It's sounding like Burgermeister Meister Burger from the, the Rankin Bass thing. But no, I always I just always thought that was funny. I was like, did they know when they made him the mayor? Like when they or was that his platform? He's like, hey, I'm already hey, look, I'm a burger. Already, yeah. <laughs> Vote for me. Um, I don't know if this is like an actual democratic. No, process I think it's here. a total dictatorship. No, yeah. He was like, I was born to rule this burger land. Yes. <laughs> like he had the um he had the birthmark of the burger on him. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> chosen chosen by God. Yeah. Ordained. Um, <laughs> All right. What about your what about your oh, yes. birthday memories? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. <clears throat> so like I had I had something similar, but we would go to um I I don't know if they have they must still have them now. These these pizza play places mm-hmm. um in this like i guess the most familiar one would be chuck e cheese mm-hmm. um or, well actually no i think the most familiar one is freddie frasbeer's pizza now oh um, oh, oh yes 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 from five nights yes, at freddy's, freddy's um yeah. because they made a whole you know thing out of that mm-hmm. but like yeah before that game like there were actually places like that i think there still are i don't know i have no idea um i think chuck e cheese is still around uh but <laughs> yeah it's still around I don't know if it's it's the same as as what it was once, but yeah, I remember that. That was that was like um, a thing where like we would we would go to this place and you know we'd have like a long table and we'd eat pizza and then we'd go run uh, around in this like huge indoor playground with like lots of like tunnels and slides and stuff like that. Um, and me being like the kid that I am, I always imagined that I was in the movie Aliens and oh, yes. I was, you know crawling through the vents and and everything like that, right? And then eating pizza. Because that's what aliens do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you you played the alien? Of course, I played the alien. <laughs> I've never played the alien when I've done that. I'm always I'm that's always the funnest one. I guess so. I like Lambert. You know, Lambert Ryan <laughs> oh, okay. Cartwright who gets to scream and cry. <laughs> that's that's why that's what people hire me for is to cry and in, in comedies. <laughs> so Lambert is my dream role. You just get splattered with the blood. It's like, oh, oh God. God. I wasn't expecting this. It's right on top of you, Dallas. Yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then I and then I drop down from the uh, from the slide. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Love it. And just drag him into the ball pit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I look back, you know, we're not going to have kids, my, uh, my, my boyfriend and I, or anything like that. Mm. Um, I, mm. You know, I went through, I went through a tough <clears throat> Uh, tween and teenage period with my parents, you know, as a lot mm. of people do, but I, I think mm. mine was particularly tough. And now I look back, I'm like, God, what all this stuff my parents did for me, how did they actually do this? You know, it seems like such a, like at, at, at once it seems like such a beautiful thing, but also such a, a harrowing <laughs> experience, right. just like so difficult, so tough. Like, and as we see, like in this movie, like Chris is, is trying so hard. Right. And she's all alone, right? Because, you know, dad's not there. So Yeah, and we get a glimpse of that a little later on about how alone she is with that. Because uh, that's one of the things I like about um, this movie and these minutes is that we we don't get all that upfront about what Chris's relationship is with Reagan's father, Howard. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't get it all explained to us. We have to sort of – it feels like a mystery to us. Right. So while we're trying to solve the mystery of what does Pazuzu have to do with it, um, you know, what's in the attic, uh, and we also have like this these mysteries of just the drama going on with the family in their ordinary world. Right, right. And like to speak to that, so 
we're back in this room and mom and Reagan are discussing these birthday plans. And Reagan surprises Chris by saying that she can bring Mr. Dennings if she likes. Mm -hmm. And Chris is genuinely puzzled by this. And she asks, like, why on earth would she want to bring Burke? And Reagan says, well, you like him, don't you? And Chris still, she's like, she's still not getting it. She says, well, sure, I like him, don't you? And then she asks Reagan, like, what's going on? To which Reagan replies, you're going to marry him, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And now in the audiobook, and, and Blatty does his own audiobook. I highly recommend finding it. Like it, the whole thing is up on YouTube, uh, the first edition. So go check it out before they take that down. Because actually his reading of the first edition is is hard to find anywhere else. So I was lucky enough to like get it and now I have it. But um, now it's always the, the, the 40th anniversary edition, which he also reads. But I don't know. I like the first edition. Mm-hmm. But the way that Reagan says this line in the audiobook and the way that Blatty read, reads it, Reagan's is sort of like quiet and solemn and a little sad. And she says, you're going to marry him, aren't you, mommy? And I think both of these reads are good, right? Like Linda Blair's read of like, kind of like this, like, ah, you're going to marry him, you know, um, because here we see what's been bothering Reagan this whole time here. She notices Burke. She notices him hanging around the house and being like really familiar with her mother. And she's starting to put two and two together, at least like what she thinks is two and two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Chris's response here. This this idea is so ridiculous, so absurd that she can't help but laugh. And then she responds, me? Mary Burke Dennings? Don't be silly. Of course not. I think that that Linda Blair's reading of it, it has that 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 wryness of like, oh, I figured out the secret, but I, I still sense sadness behind it. I don't know if it's just because of just the nature of the question or, or, you know, again, Linda Blair is a strong actor, even as a 13 year old girl. I think she's, she's doing both of those. It still feels sad to me. It almost seems like she's hiding that, like that fear, that apprehension, that sadness behind is like, "Ah, I figured it out. I figured out your secret. Am I right? Am I like, is this, is this actually what's happening? Right. Like, like that's the subtext is like, please say that I'm wrong. Please, please say that that's not right. the case. Oh, well, and I like this minute a lot in how simple it is in the staging. Again, we spend a lot of time looking at non-professional actors in this movie or or child actors, like in the case of Linda Blair, and just letting them perform and letting them react. Um, so it's this shot of of Linda Blair that is a close up um, with the negative space on the opposite side being the back of Ellen Burson's head. And then we have, uh, on Ellen Burson's cover, it doesn't match. It's not a similar close up on, the, on her eye line where we can see both of her eyes. It's this, uh, semi profile shot of Ellen Burson. She's much further away. Um, and I think that's really interesting because it's, it, it's, it's weird. It's kind of counterintuitive how it does give us her perspective. You know, I think the default idea is, well, how do we know it's it's from the main character's perspective? We need to see both of her eyes. She should be relatively big, probably bigger than the other person. But but it counterintuitively works. She we're sort of denied her eyes and denied her thoughts, right? Hmm. And so we're, what we're getting in this close up is is definitely her perspective of it, even though um, even though it is a close up of Reagan, right? That's actually a good point. Like she's seeing, like okay, so now my question: Do you think we're supposed to be with Chris I think in this so. moment? I or think with we still Reagan? are, even okay. though the coverage might speak otherwise. Or if you were designing the covers from scratch and you say, okay, this is your assignment. It's Chris's point of view of her of her daughter. What does that look like? And we might be, you know, we might switch what this, um, we might switch the coverage that we give these two actors, but this feels right. We're sort of denied Chris's ideas and her thoughts because she's trying to put on this, this face for her daughter. Mm. Um, and one other thing is, I am not sure about the child labor laws at the time, but you notice that you have in in Linda Blair's coverage, you have a lot of Ellen Burson and what's clearly identifiably Ellen Burson. 
right? So we, whenever she moves, we could see it's definitely her. In Chris's coverage, in Ellen Burstyn's coverage, um, I, we can't tell if it's Linda Blair or not in the bed. And this is a, oh. a common thing nowadays. So again, I don't know what it was like in 1972 and 73, but mm. nowadays... Under Friedkin, especially. <laughs> yeah. Right. But when you're dealing with child actors, you will substitute them with other with stand-ins or, or things like that because you have a limit of how many hours they could work in the day and they have to um, have an onset tutor who's giving them real classes and there's all sorts of rules. But um, So this might not be Linda Blair in the bed. You can kind of catch a glimpse of her head and Ellen Burson's like stroking her hair. Um, you mean when she leans down to like like uh, kiss her? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not the close up. Yeah, right, not the close up. The the uh, this profile shot of Ellen Burson. Yeah, there's somebody right. there. There's some little girl, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we don't. I I can't tell if it's Linda Blair or not. I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't. Interesting. And we know that she does have, um, like, I guess you would call like a stand in or a double Mm -hmm. in later scenes. Um, and like one who is actually pretty iconic in the, like the mythos of this movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, like this might be her in the bed right now. Maybe not. Maybe some other kid. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Okay. I think that is all for my notes for this minute. Keenan, is there, is there anything you wanted to touch on? No, we got a lot. Okay. All right. So, Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. All right, folks. Until next time. The power of Mayor McCheese compels you. <laughs>